<laughs> Can I start? Are we ready? Yeah. <laughs> and welcome back, everybody, to Read Me to Your Taker, adapting disgusted science fiction as worse than best. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we're back, as we always are, discussing well-known science fiction. I suppose. <laughs> this Ish. time we're discussing... discussing. <laughs> I thought we were disgusting. <laughs> we are. This time we're disgusting. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> the novelization of a... Mm, what? It's a TV episode. Yes. Known as Star Trek, the original series. And the episode itself being Arena. Yes. So the last episode you will have heard... I think everybody knows that right. you're, you're not Seth, and you're not James, <laughs> no. and I'm not Colin. Shut up, I am. Yeah. <laughs> but our tradition is on April Fool's to do a rever- what we call a reverse adaptation, where we take something that is a science fiction film and talk about its adaptation to right. print, right? Novelization. Um, in this case, though, we were... I realized we had nothing planned for April Fool's, and so I just decided... <laughs> I'm going to find out if there are Star Trek novelizations, um, and I knew there were of movies, and it turns out that there's a bunch of novelizations of episodes as well, and there's a series of books just called Star Trek 1, 2, right. Star Trek Ordinal. And, it was uh, very confusing for me at first. It was. It, it took more than a day to, for James to figure out. I came over here this morning and said, did you read the thing yet? And he's like, no, I didn't think we were doing Star Trek 2. No, it's not Star Trek 2. It's the second Star Trek no- set of novelizations. Yes. Right. By the author, James Blish. James Blish, Hugo Award-winning author. Yeah. All right. So what this is, is a novelization of the TV episode, correct? Correct. So it came out after the... Episode Arena. Yeah, this is a whole collection right. of them, right? Because it has Space yeah. Seed, it has um, right Arena, it has several others mm-hmm. in there as well. Yeah. So, uh, and now it's on the shelf for for all mm-hmm. time. So we can come back to it if if we need an emergency reverse adaptation. Indeed. So really, since we've already talked in the previous episode about the episode right Arena, let's just talk about some of the differences between it and this and what we think. The episode written by Gene Alcoon versus the novelization written by James Blish. Correct. Correct. Jimmy Blish. Which is sort of loosely adapted from <laughs> Arena. Well, not really adapted right. from Frederick Brown's Arena, but yes. credited as adapted from. Right. Well, I heard there was a podcast and they determined there were six essential elements to the story and they were all in this episode. Those guys sound really smart. And so I think <laughs> part of our job is to then take those six elements and apply them to the novelization at the end. Okay. Oh. Sounds good. So you just took off those right now. <laughs> James has lost his place in the book. <laughs> and for reference, it's These Are the Voyages, season one. To boldly go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where no podcast has gone before. That's actually sci-fi on screen uses that. Oh, damn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jeff Blarmo. Sorry. <laughs> well, at least we accredited him. There you go. There we go. <laughs> it's legal hey, now. we miss you, Jeff. It's you legal know. now. <laughs> he, he's been on a hiatus from podcasting for a few months. So. Ah, okay. So come back, Jeff. It happened. Okay, I'm back. I got our six points. So differences between the, the episode and the novel. The Gorn was not Tyrannosaurus. The, no, no. I think it's a nice way to describe it, though, because people know True. what it looks like automatically. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because in the, and I think this is the only time they've said this about the Gorn, is that in the, in the book he appeared, he had to be agile and fast. <laughs> yeah, he moved. Yeah, which <laughs> was so like no, okay, <laughs> right. And and this is the difference in adaptation, right here, mm-hmm. where 
the the book the the novelization part is not limited to nineteen yeah. sixties right. production values. Well, the the mm-hmm. the downside to that though is you've just eliminated any advantage Kirk had over him. Right. <laughs> so there's actually there's a higher sense of risk. Right. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the novelization tends to skip out on the first 20 to 23 right. minutes the of the episode. Hour. Yes. <laughs> uh, the attack on Cestus 3, mm-hmm. the chase through space, the discussion about, you know, why they have to stop it. It opens up with them being on the planet. Right. Yep. And it's I think more, it's more retcon. arena. Some retcon. A, a little bit of describing, you know, how In they house. got here. Elaborate. Yeah, it... I'm the host it now. Starts... I got to drive it. So elaborate on your, on your <laughs> elaborate on your retcon. So even though we open up on the planet where the action really starts, uh-huh. Kirk remembers and goes through the thought process of saying, "Well, you know, we started off on Cestus Three because oh, that's they attacked right, us and right. we hunted them down." Because he still comes to the same realization that we might have been in their territory. They they we could have provoked them. He he still has that kind of the same arc, right? Yes. From the episode. Yeah, it just the the story starts the. In res, I think. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but in the middle of the action, essentially. It starts right. with him on the mm-hmm. planet, and then it kind of goes back right. to how they got there. Yep. So it makes it uh, more of a faithful adaptation to the original story. <laughs> or short story, right? <laughs> in a way, In yeah. some ways. It gets way, right to the right? arena part. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Which makes sense when you're going to adapt a 50-minute episode right. or whatever into a 13-page short story. Right. Yep. He trims out a lot of the fat, in, including mm-hmm. everything that happens on the bridge of the Enterprise while Kirk is on the planet. Right. Yep. Because, of course, we don't, we're not, nobody's watching it. Yeah. We're not watching it. They're not watching it. We're reading about it. So, so I had a, th- dang it, might have to cut this out, I guess, but I had a thought about that, and mm-hmm. I freaking forgot to mention it in the last one we just did, but the original script didn't actually call for uh, the bridge scenes. Right. They... I don't know if I remember this or not. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was recommended by one of the producers. For pacing, yeah. Yeah, for pacing to cut that in. Because mm-hmm. he was afraid the audiences would get kind of bored with the slow-moving Gorn. <laughs> I, I remember, and it's okay for us to talk about the episode, yeah. okay, too. Sure. Um, I remember finding it very exciting, and, you know, as, as Spock is realizing that mm-hmm. Kirk is realizing what he needs yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, right. And <laughs> um, so. I think it made it more... I think it re- I think it made it more relatable. So yeah. we we were essentially Spock and the bridge crew right. watching Kirk and yeah those. So I thought it was a good addition. Yeah, yeah so like, but cool. but yeah, in that in that mm-hmm. sense, it makes sense to not have that in the. But right, yeah, in this in, in the, the short book, story, there's necessary. no there's no need for it. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, they didn't they didn't have to have the the twenty three minutes of intro to it. No, mm-hmm. no. Uh, you know, the other thing that was more close to the original story by um, Frederick Brown was. Kirk uses the translator to ask the Gorn if they can have peace. Right. Yeah. Oh, he does. Nice. I didn't remember that. Yep. He su- he actually sues for peace. And the other thing I thought was interesting is after the fact. So after he said he wasn't going to kill him, I'm not doing this for entertainment. He whisks away the Gorn, and then he goes into how the uh, Met- Metreon or Metron mm-hmm. had lied to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was going to destroy. Yeah, he was going to destroy the, the more powerful one. ship. Yeah. Uh, because you, you're more dangerous, and I was thinking, I'm like, uh, I thought, I thought back to the original story, where the stakes were higher at, at the at the galactic level. I'm going to destroy your entire species, right? So it'd be more advantageous for the Metron to actually just destroy the entire species if they could, rather than the 
the ship, right? Because eventually there's going to be another Federation ship that'll come and find you. Yep. That's going to be more advanced than that one to begin with. And they're going to come looking for a destroyed Enterprise anyway. Yep. Right? Yeah. Your flagship of your fleet gets destroyed. You're going to go find out. <laughs> it's not some random science vessel that just gets lost. No. No, not like you the know? Intrepid. Right. So that, w- that would have been, uh, I think, mm, dumb on the Metreon's part that do. To right? destroy the loser? Right. Yeah. No, no, destroy reminded- the winner. Yes. Yeah. But in a way, it makes the aspect of mercy that Kirk shows even the more important. Right. Yeah, because he, he literally saved themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. Along with the other race, I guess, mm-hmm. in the end. But. Yeah, fun, fun novelization. It's a fun, fun little book. I found it on mm-hmm. eBay. Mm-hmm. And you can find it at you know used retailers and Amazon Marketplace and that kind of stuff as well. Now for the science part. The empirical evidence. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, our six points. Number one. Aliens attacking Earth colonies. Check, check. Number two, imminent battle between Earth and aliens. I guess it was. It doesn't go to. into quite as much of that discussion as the episode does, because mm-hmm. the, the episode talks. You know, where Spock is basically saying, "Captain, you're going to get us into a war." Yes. Right. And True. Kirk's like, "Yeah, I'm okay with that." Half check. Half check. All right, half point. So we're at one and a half. I'll yes, that. That's pretty pretty solid math there. <laughs> one and a half makes. One and a half. <laughs> Intervention of third highly advanced intelligence. Check, check, check. So now we're at two and a half. Instant transportation. Check. check. Yeah. We don't really see it. Are they, are they, at the end, he gets transported back, right? Yes. <clears throat> right. Mm, single combat. Check, check. check. Ah, number five. Uh, last one. Quality of mercy. So yeah. Double check. Really, double check. Double check. <laughs> six and a half out of six. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, quality of mercy makes up for the half check on the uh, imminent battle between Earth and uh, right. So it's six for aliens. six. Right. So we're six for six. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there, there is some uh, adaptation to the story because they're right. You know, he does right. he does flip that, and they they gave him some leeway to innovate a little mm-hmm. bit. Where he gives a little more detail about <laughs> the how many people were in the colony and that kind of stuff. Information that you might want to see, since you can't see cheap 1960s sets, he has to describe it for you. And, right. Yeah. You know. I think it might have been mentioned in passing on the episode, as to how many people were on the colony. It's possible. Um, did Ensign Ricky bite it in the story? I don't remember. Well, you didn't really see that part of it, right? No, no, no. no. We, we didn't get yeah. that part, yeah. We cut, we cut straight to being on... I, I only call him Ensign Planet, Ricky because there's that uh, Star Trek demotivator. <laughs> that is from this episode oh. that, that shows it says uh, it's you know what motivators are right yes like aspirations or whatever but the demotivators are things like expendability and, <laughs> and, and it shows a clip of Kirk, Spock, McCoy and this red shirt guy on, on the Cestus 3 colony and it says Kirk, Spock, McCoy and Ensign Ricky have beamed down to the planet guess who's not coming back <laughs> I love that yes yep alright so what else we got I, I think that's about it. This, okay. is, this is what we do for... Easy peasy. Um, well, normally we have like an entire novel to discuss. Yeah, yeah so, that's true. Uh, last right. year we did The Last Starfighter, right? So we were able to... We talked about the, the movie right. and the book. <laughs> this time, since we've already discussed the... Yeah. It's kind of like our Total Recall like one we did. like a compendium episode. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Companion. You know, one thing Compan- that, we, yeah, yeah. that we also do that we didn't do in our previous episode was talk about our histories with this. So... Mm. You know, uh, had anybody seen the true. original version when it was broadcast of the of the television series? Not when it was originally no. broadcast. No, no, I don't. No, none of us are old enough. None of us <laughs> existed at that point. Yeah. 
So nope. I, I probably saw it in syndication in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was late 70s, early 80s, I'm imagining. Uh, for me, uh, Netflix. <laughs> really? <laughs> My first experience Star Trek was TNG. Wow. So yeah. you saw none of the original oh. series, like original series nope. movies, maybe? I ever saw the original series movies. Okay. Yeah. And you didn't watch the original but my series most, until... My most uh, probably uh, impactful experience with Star Trek, though, was TNG. Yeah. Okay. I, well, I mean... I didn't really watch any of the movies or anything until after TNG. Yeah. And that's when I, you know, came, got familiar with Spock and okay. and blah, blah, blah. Interesting. Yeah, well, he is a bit younger than we are. Khan being, it. Khan being my favorite. Although I really enjoyed... Uh, was it Undiscovered Country? Star Trek Four with the whales. Yeah. <laughs> Going back in time. And, Voyage Home. Yeah, the Voyage Home. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was funny. It's a Spock and... Or not Spock, but Scotty and... Uh, <laughs> on Earth. Hello, computer. <laughs> I like... All that stuff cracked me up. <laughs> See, one of these times we could do one of those movies yeah. and it's novelization. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Yeah. One damn minute, Admiral. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the going around the... Going on the sun, travel back in time, remind me of Superman. <laughs> right. It is forbidden. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Excellent. Anywho, yeah. And so I'm guessing none of us read the novelization until Seth bought it? That is correct. Correct. Did not know it existed. <laughs> I, I didn't either. I was, I was literally... How did you disclo- come across full, it? Then? Full disclosure, I was Googling it in a staff meeting. Um, <laughs> I was a little bit bored. Um, no, so it ain't so. Yeah. I know that Alan Dean Foster did the novelizations of the animated series episodes, mm. and I knew that James Blish did the ones for the original series, <laughs> but I don't think I ever read them. Yeah, it just all did of a sudden Alan occurred Foster to me. Did Alan Dean Foster do any novelizations of the movies? He did thought, the Star Wars movies. He did. did. I know, yeah, I know so he did the Star Wars much. movies. I distinctly remember those. What, well, he did a lot of Star Wars movies. Right? Yeah. And Starman, it's up there on your right. shelf. Yep. Which I, I was talking to James downstairs about this one. We could do that one sometime and do the movie, the novelization, and the t- television pilot if we could find it. Oh, it was only a pilot? Uh, it was a very short lived series, from what okay. I recall. All right. uh, he did not do any of the original series novelizations, but he worked on some other movies which might have come out after 2008 or so. <laughs> I was like, wait, uh, are you saying it's not specific? No, he's saying it was 2009 Into Darkness. Right. I, I've seen that one fly by in the Kindle store and Nick's store. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking Colin's, about. Colin's, Colin's, Colin's holding the line on this one. <laughs> Hold the line! Hold! Yes. Wow. See, if, if this was a TNG episode, then we, then we could have used the line, you were hosted on your own Picard. But <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> so close. Yeah. Colin used that one on me earlier, offline, <laughs> between episodes. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right, we good? You got a yep, reverse blessing for us? Uh, I give it last time. It's your... Actually, it's Colin's turn. We want a reverse blessing, which is technically a curse. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, may your blood pressure rise up to meet you. <laughs> and uh, may your novelizations always be blished. There we go. Yeah. I like it. I was going to say, may the, may, the, may the road fall off from beneath you and the gorn crush you. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that, that was a pavement pounder's blishing. Yes. <laughs> pavement pounder's bushing. No, blishing. Yes, yes. Blishing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We can hit stop. Bye, everybody. Bye, uh, everybody. Happy, happy yep. April Fool's Day. And um, I realized, don't stop yet, by the way, um, as we're signing off, I, I realized that, you know, our blessing thing is based on the Irish blessing, and we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day. So, 
And I'm drinking Ooh. peppermint tea out of a green mug, which is Congratulations. almost like having a shamrock shake. And I'm drinking green tea. There you go. There we go. Yeah. And Colin is bucking the trend. I have mint tea. No, he has, yeah, he has peppermint well. tea. Oh, wait, no, no. You my, have lemon, ginger, lemon, ginger, tea, and honey. But you're drinking out of a green cup. Okay. So you're good. Failure. Well, we're all green. All right, we're, we're all We're green. All, okay. all right, so <laughs> happy St. Patty's Day, and uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.